Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Face. That's the nothing personal word of the day, face. I chose face because there was a face-to-face meeting between Rob Manford and Tony Clark in Arizona. Was it mask-to-mask? We called it on nothing personal. We said there's got to be a meeting. I think that may have been a wait to see. Eh, Maybe not. Either way, face. Why is that so important? Why did Rob Manford get on a plane and fly all the way from New York to Arizona to meet with Tony Clark? Because that's what was going to be necessary to get a deal. At some point, you go to the top. All negotiations happen at the president level in baseball, the GM level. You know how it works. Starts with scouts when you're looking at a trader assigning. Then you work your way and you've got the AGMs who talk and say, would you have interest in this? How about this trade? How about would you talk about this player? Then when it gets serious, the GMs talk. Well, you'd really be willing to talk about Delgado? Would you be willing to talk about Cabrera? How do you feel about Stanton? Then it gets to presidents. Hey, you know, our GMs are talking, but we're going to have to really have a money conversation. Then you say at the end, well, you know, I got to go to the owner. We got to get final sign off here by the owner. Even though, of course, there's been communication with the owner the whole time. You know whether or not you can do the deal or not do the deal. But you use it as a last resort to make a little change, to try to get a better player, to try to get another player, a different player, a final check. When you're signing a free agent and you have a deal with the agent, you then say, I got to check with my owner one more time. Hey, any way that we could get it down from 15 million to 14.8 million, or could we switch around some of the years? You always have the owner have plausible deniability in terms of involvement in a negotiation, because then you can use him as the hammer. That's what's going on in collective bargaining. You've got people at different levels in the labor department of Major League Baseball, labor relations department, it's called the LRD. You've got people at the union, but you leave Tony Clark and Rob Manford, you leave them be, because there's going to come a time when they're going to have to get in a room, whether it's a virtual room or an actual room, and get a deal done. One thing that we never wanted to allow was our owner to have private conversations with an agent, with a player, with an executive, with another owner. We never wanted that to happen. Not because we didn't trust our owner. Because when two people meet without any witnesses, when there's no recording, There's no one taking notes. How many times do two people leave that room, leave that conversation with completely different views of what happened? All the time. So is it a surprise that there was a frenzy yesterday 
I think the frenzy came after we recorded the show yesterday. The frenzy was that Manford goes to Arizona, meets with Tony Clark, deal progressing, deal imminent, Twitter going crazy. We're live on CBS Sports HQ. I'm on there from 3 to 3.30 p.m. yesterday talking with Jim Bowden about the deal, the excitement. I'm getting ready to shave. I'm thinking about the TikTok video and how many days and how I'm going to shave the beard and how Coca's going to shave it. Will we leave a mustache for a day? How about mutton chops? How about a goatee? Maybe just the patch right here. Who knows? By the way, if you're not watching this, then you don't know what I just did, but I was pointing in my face. Then all of a sudden, more tweets come out. There is no final deal, the union says. Any rumor of a full agreement is false. Then more people with sources. Deal expected this weekend. Deal expected tonight. Deal not expected. What was really discussed? Then we started with the statements. Rob Manford did another statement saying, I flew to Arizona. We met face to face. We have an agreement and I am going to my constituency, meaning the owners, and I trust that he is doing the same. Tony Clark made it clear maybe there was something of a discussion or a proposal, but not an agreement. So what was MLB doing? MLB proposed 60 games, full prorated salary, a universal DH, expanded playoffs, and then the final final, no grievances. The union will waive the right to file a grievance. Major League Baseball will waive the right to file a grievance. And everything will be A-OK. All of a sudden, players started going public and saying, 60 games, that's not enough. We want more. People panicked. Not people who listen to nothing personal because you never panic because you all know the ups and downs of negotiating. You know that it's not over until the fat lady sings. That's not a very nice thing to say. There's plenty of people who aren't fat who sing. Is that the expression or did I make that up? I thought there was an expression. It's never over till the fat lady sings. I'm going to change it right now. It's never over until the person at the end, no matter if it's a he, she, or they, starts singing. What does singing have to do with the deal being done or with something being over? You know what? That whole expression should be done away with. We have a new expression here, nothing personal. It's not over until the John Hancock occurs. Let's do that. You all know what John Hancock is, the signature. Can I have your John Hancock, please? Bonus question on nothing personal. What document did John Hancock sign? At David P. Sampson. DM me. It's a pretty easy one. That's when there's an agreement. In the meantime, let it go. Don't get too happy. Don't get too sad. Don't get too angry. Don't get too crazy. Just know that what's going on, as we told you, we'll tell you again, is negotiating. Did Rob Manford believe that an agreement 
was done in Arizona in a meeting with Tony Clark face-to-face? No. No matter what Rob Manford says, did Tony Clark think that there was an agreement done in the meeting between Rob Manford and Tony Clark in Arizona? No. What they both knew is there had been progress enough that then they had to start papering new details, new provisions, but there was still not a final final on the number of games, but the owners had agreed now to full prorated salary. No more arguing about that. The union knew that they could not go forward with any sort of season without the waiving of grievances. The union understands that. Now they're just discussing games. Why the number of games matters? Not because the purists are saying you have to have more than 60 to have a real season. Not because anybody has an opinion other than the players saying, we want to play more games for money. If you're going to pay us a full prorated salary, then we want to play as many games as possible. They've already agreed the season has to end by September 27th. So now they've got to come to this situation where they decide, is it 65 games, 66 games, 64 games, 63 games, 68 games. They will choose a number and a deal will be done. But the season is not being impacted by this delay. Stop believing the narrative that you are reading that the owners are stalling and this back and forth is hurting baseball's ability to play the most games possible. It's not true. Now, if we're here two weeks from now and there's no agreement and baseball can't start till August 15th, then we've got something to talk about. From a math perspective, I still believe there needs to be at least one month before a game can be played. Today is June 18th. If there's an agreement tomorrow, June 19th, then I believe the season could start as early as July 19th, but I would expect closer to July 22nd to July 23rd. There are still enough days to get 64, 65, 66 games on the schedule. Will it be perfect? No. But expanded playoffs will make it so Everybody in every city is going to be pretty interested. Do you know what's not going to happen in 2020? All of those trade deadline deals. Because how many teams are going to be out of the race by the new trade deadline, whenever that'll be? Normally, the trade deadline is July 31st. That means you will have played two-thirds of your season, April, May, June, July. By then, most owners have been convinced by their GMs, whether they're in the race or out of the race. So you decide whether you're going to be a buyer or a seller. Two-thirds of 60 games is 40 games. Can you imagine after 40 games knowing whether you're in the race or out of the race? There may be one team, maybe two at most, who will be out of the race. I guess that would make it a pretty big seller's market, except for the fact Who's buying? Which big revenue team is going to take on money? Nobody, because they're not getting big revenue because there's going to be no fans in the stands. So here's what's going to happen now. Today is Thursday, the 18th. I would expect there to be some back and forth today below Clark and Manford, Hallam, number two, Bruce Mayer, the number two, I expect there to be drafting going back and forth between 
maybe Morgan Sword, Pat Houlihan, they're below Dan Hallam in the Labor Department, people who are drafting agreements and provisions as part of the union. I expect back and forth on certain provisions, codifying the expanded playoffs, working more, trying to figure out the health protocols, figuring out the timeline, how players will return to action, where spring training will be. I thought there'd be more spring training games. I read the possibility of only three spring training games. That worries me greatly. That is not enough games. There will have to be intra-squad games, which never have the same pressure. There is never truly for pitchers. When they say, yeah, I pitched in the back, this is a very funny thing that pitchers always say. I never like this. We'd have GMs who would say to me, you know, we're opening up against the Phillies. I don't want our opening day pitcher facing the Phillies. We're going to pitch him in a backfield against our minor leaguers. We don't want to show the Phillies this pitcher. It always bothered me because no matter what the pitcher tells you, they do not get the adrenaline going. They don't get as up and excited to pitch in the backfields against their own minor league teammates as they do when they're in the big field pitching against the other team and working through a lineup and sitting in between innings. What we would do in the backfield, it would be called like a simulated game where you'd have batters and they'd hit and then you'd wait five minutes or 10 minutes pretending an inning was happening, then bring the pitcher back, let him pitch again. All of those things actually happen, but it's just not the same. There are no hitters who can get ready by having three games worth of plate appearances. What is that, 14 appearances? It's not enough. For pitchers, how are we going to build their arms up in only three games? That means only three out of five starting pitchers will even get one spring training start. That's a problem. I'm hopeful at the end of the day, there will be more spring training games, which will be known as inter-squad scrimmages because there won't be fans. And it'll be hard because the New York teams maybe could play each other. California teams could play each other. Maybe Florida could take a drive to Tampa. Tampa could take a drive to Florida. But what do you do if you're Seattle? Are you going to schlep to LA? They're, they're a bus ride away from nobody. So I understand the logistical travel issues. I really do. But that we've got to try to find a way because if not, you could be looking at a 60-game season, whether it's 65, 70, doesn't matter. I'm saying 60 just for purposes of this conversation, where the first 10 to 15 games and that is as much as 25% of the season. That's like halfway through May in a regular six-month season. You could have pitchers and position players just trying to get their sea legs. It's going to be very hard to evaluate talent. It's going to be very hard to understand what your team is given the truncated season. And we haven't even gotten to the story of health. Remember yesterday I was asking you, hey, Dr. Fauci, why did he talk about baseball and not talk about football? Well, I think Dr. Fauci is another person listening to nothing personal. And Dr. Fauci came up with a quote about football. Remember he said baseball, you better end as quickly as you can. And I said to you, there's an opportunity here for some sort of 
chicanery with owners and Dr. Fauci because they didn't want to play into November. And I suggested just to have the TV broadcasters go public saying we're not going to pay for November games. And that would have made it easier. Dr. Fauci talked about football and said, unless football players are essentially in a bubble, insulated from the community, and they are tested nearly every day, it would be very hard to see how football is able to be played this fall. If there is a second wave, which is certainly a possibility, and which would be complicated by the predictable flu season, football may not happen this year. Holy shnikes. This is serious. Now, there's people all over Twitter, Instagram, on radio, at your local salon or bar, saying Dr. Fauci doesn't know anything about anybody. He's disappeared from the updates. Where's Dr. Fauci these days? He's got an agenda. Who cares what he says? Do you think that Dr. Fauci has skin in the game in terms of baseball and football? Or is he interested in public health? By the way, he has served under presidents other than the current one. This is real. Florida had the highest number of cases it's had ever today. But of course, mayors and governors are coming out and saying, don't you worry. This is normal. It's fine. It's not because of the reopening, because everyone's scared to shut down again. I read that Beijing had 47 new cases and they shut it down. I'm not saying we need another economic shutdown in the U.S. and I understand how much it hurt. Believe me, I do. But what hurts more is the possibility of not being able to ever go to a concert or go to a game or be in a big group of people. Dr. Fauci's words need to be listened to, and it's real. I've told you it's not just NHL and NBA and MLB, NFL. There is a problem. We have got to contain this virus. The NFL has no interest in going into a bubble. They have a full season to play like MLB. They can't go into a bubble. If there continues to be this type of growth and problem, we have a problem. But the NFL... Of course, they were going to respond. It took about a nanosecond for Dr. Alan Sills, who's the NFL chief medical doctor, to respond to Fauci. And he said that Dr. Fauci has identified the important health and safety issues that we and the NFL Players Association, together with our medical advisors, are addressing to mitigate the health risk to players, coaches, and other essential personnel. We are developing a comprehensive and rapid result testing program and rigorous protocols that call for a shared responsibility from everyone. Make no mistake, this is no easy task. We will make adjustments as necessary to meet the public health environment as we prepare to play the 2020 season as scheduled. And then he ends with what every statement ends with. We will be flexible and adaptable in this environment to adjust to the virus as needed. That is a perfect statement from Dr. Sills because it says nothing that is new. What's going on in the NFL is they're working on their joint, maybe with joints, they're working on their joint book that will come out 
MLB's 67-pager was topped by the NBA's 113-pager, which is going to be topped. Mark my words. How about this as a bonus? Wait to see, Coca. The NFL health protocol manual will be longer than the 113-page NBA memo. Add that to the wait to see, Coca. That is a legitimate wait to see. Why? Because it is so complicated getting the NFL on the field. Forget the fact that they don't travel for as long as the NBA does or Major League Baseball. They can go to a city on game day in theory. They could be no hotels at all if the players would agree to fly Sunday morning and play. But what if there's delays? What if there's a mechanical delay? What if there's a weather delay? You're in the winter. How do you keep players when they're at home for making sure they're being responsible? If you're not creating a bubble, that means all players have to create their own bubble. Will they do it? What will be the penalty for a positive test? How many positive tests will equal a game being forfeited or canceled or postponed? The NFL has to play during the season of winter when it's cold, which means more people are inside where coronavirus can spread more easily. These are all real issues that the NFL will have to deal with, and they will. The NFL has the benefit of time, but the time is also running out for them. Do you know that spring training for NFL, which is definitely not called spring training, it is called training camp for the NFL, is due to open in just over a month. One of my old wait to sees, and you know we revisit all wait to sees. One of my wait to sees is NFL training camp will be delayed. And I'm sticking to that, even though the NFL has done everything on time so far, because everything they've done, they could do on time. But this is now not a marathon for the NFL. It's a sprint. For the NBA and the NHL, they've been sprinting because they've got to try to to finish their season. MLB, eh, lollygagging a little bit, taking their time, trying to make it right, knowing that they can get a season in. A lot is going on here with sports on the field. I was going to say on the field and off the field. That's funny, Coca. I can't say on the field and off the field because that's not true. It's just off the field. Stay tuned to nothing personal. I'm thankful we have our new YouTube channel. We spoke to CBS who said that we'll be getting a YouTube channel with our own URL anytime now, to which Matthew Coca, producer extraordinaire, said, how about two days ago is anytime now? Boom. YouTube.com backslash nothing personal with David Sampson. If you are downloading and subscribing to the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, thank you very much. Tell your friends. And also, please, we're going to have a mailbag episode coming up very soon. We're already almost done with June. I love that you've been listening to the sit down episodes. We had Joe Torrey this week. Great guest coming up in a couple weeks. Spoiler alert, I'm not going to spoil it. Should I spoil it? I'm not spoiling it. Why would I spoil it? It'll come out. But please, get an Apple. Five-star review. Five-star rating, review, and ask a question, and I'll answer it in the mailbag episode at the end of the month. It's fun. I always enjoy those questions. Different than So You Want to Talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson 
is when you follow me at David P. Sampson on Twitter, go into my DMs and ask a question, and I promise you that I will answer, sometimes only in my own head. Sometimes I'll answer it on Twitter back to you in a DM. Sometimes I'll answer it on the show, and other times I just miss it. Because as nothing personal is growing, you're asking more and more questions, and I appreciate it. Sometimes they get buried in the feed, and I can't go back, even though I want to go back. So you want to talk to Samson. What do you think is the risk of these negotiations slash short season slash CBA on baseball long term? Baseball is already regional. Does the sport risk becoming on par with horse racing and boxing in relevance? That's a deep question. What do you think is the risk of these negotiations and having a short season on baseball long-term? Because baseball is already regional, are you risking becoming horse racing or boxing? Well, let's start with boxing. Those boxing matches where, let's say, Pacquiao is in the ring and millions and millions and tens of millions are buying pay-per-view to watch boxing, boxers are getting paid $50 million, $20 million. Mayweather, I think, once made $80 million in a match, Coca. Horse racing, the Triple Crown has tremendous interest. There is gambling on racing. Reminds me of a great line from Let It Ride from Terry Garr. I never understood why you had to bet on these horses. Can't you just watch them run around the track and enjoy that? And Jay Trotter played by Richard Dreyfuss, responded and said, there is no racing if there is no betting. Well, baseball has started to embrace the gambling world. There is betting on baseball. There's fantasy baseball. There is no question in my mind that the impact By the way, I'm interrupting the show right now because he just, Coca just told me something that I have to tell you because I had no idea. Floyd Mayweather made, according to Matthew Coca, the real Matthew Coca. This can't be right, Coca. I'm not saying it on the air. It can't be. It says Mayweather made $275 million for his fight against McGregor. $275 million? paid to Floyd Merriweather for fighting Conor McGregor? Holy crap. It's not a typo. 275 large. It's Mayweather, not Merriweather. Who's Merriweather? Why did I say Merriweather? That must be an athlete. I meant Mayweather. Anyway, so boxing, pretty healthy. Athletes are making quite a bit. Promoters are making quite a bit. If Mayweather made 275, I can only assure you that there was many, many tens of millions of dollars made by the people who put on the fight, the promoters, et cetera, and the people who showed the fight. There has been talk nonstop that baseball has done irreparable damage. I'm asked that all the time when I do radio shows. I'm asked in Twitter, private chats on Instagram by people who may or may not be real. Coca, I got a uh, a DM from someone, and it was, hi, how are you? Would you like to get together? And I thought that it was real 
and that things were going great. And it turns out that Coca said that it wasn't a real person. But there are plenty of real people who are getting into DMs and saying baseball has done irreparable damage. I'll never watch another game. I'm not interested anymore. All of this negotiation. And by the way, the short season, that's not good enough. These are the same people who complain about 162 games, by the way, are now saying 50 or 60 or 70 games, it's not enough. Well, if you're a fan of a team who wins the division after 60 games and then makes it through the gauntlet that is the playoffs, are you going to go to the parade if there can even be a parade? Are you going to celebrate the fact that your team won a World Series? You bet your patooties you're going to. Are you going to be excited when there's the first no-hitter of the season or someone hits for the cycle or makes a great catch or throws an amazing breaking ball that buckles the knees of your favorite slugger or watching Mike Trout hit a gapper? Bat flips galore. But no brawls because that's against the rules. That violates social distancing. It's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay with all of your favorite sports and entertainment. You're going to go back to the park. You're going to go back to concerts. You're going to go back to watching movies at movie theaters. You're going to go back to going to a game, whether you go to one game or 81 games or 40 games or five football games or two football games. You're going to go back to tailgating. There will be a change in how it works. Spacing will be different. Eventually, COVID-19 will be under control. And we will be able to enjoy the content of sports the way we used to enjoy it. I am absolutely confident that that will happen. Will there be some people who stand on ceremony and they say, no, I'm done. I'm done. That's it. You guys screwed me. All this negotiation, all this leaking, all this back and forth. I'm not going to go to games. And I would say to that person, really? You're going to stop yourself from making a memory with your son or daughter or going with your clients or going with your friends to a game because you're angry about players or owners and fighting. Do you stop going to Disney World because the Disney members argue with Disney management and the unions get together and have labor issues? Do you say that's it? I'm never riding Space Mountain again. When air traffic controllers get absolutely pummeled by their management and they go on strike, do you say, I will never fly again because I support air traffic controllers? And on top of that, I don't like seeing any of these ugly negotiations back and forth. I get the emotion of sports. But now more than ever, I would argue, we have to be more forgiving of people negotiating during these times of economic uncertainty because everyone is scared. Everyone is scared of the future, of what it's going to look like, what it's going to be like. It's going to be interesting, I'll tell you that. When we come back, we're going to talk about someone who went out of his comfort zone and made a real difference. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back. I'm still watching movies, shows. We review something every day on Nothing Personal. I spent 27 minutes watching Dave Chappelle's new concert comedy show entitled 846. 846 is the amount of time that the murderous racist cop kneeled on George Floyd, killing him. Dave Chappelle was in Utah, and there's an 80% chance I got that wrong because why would I remember that? He was somewhere, and he put on what he claims is the first concert since coronavirus started. People were sitting socially distanced. It was a small crowd. He had, he was in Ohio, Coca said. I'm sorry. I don't know why I thought it was Utah. He went on stage, he walked on smoking a cigarette, he had a red Solo cup, I was always taught a red Solo cup has alcohol in it, and he had a little black notebook, and I didn't know what to expect, I didn't know whether it would be funny, I didn't know whether or not Dave Chappelle would be preachy, serious, joking, jocular, it turned out that Dave Chappelle for 27 minutes found a way to teach everyone in the audience and everyone who was watching that it's okay to feel emotional about what happened. It's okay to have your own opinion of what happened, but it's not okay to be quiet. But it's not because he's a celebrity that he wanted to do this show. It's because like nothing personal that Monday, many weeks ago. He wants everybody to use his or her platform. He had a very telling part of this show where he said, just because I'm a celebrity doesn't mean I should stand up and talk. You don't really need to hear from a celebrity. You need to hear from yourself. You need to have conversations about what you believe and why you believe it and how you come with the foundations of your belief. He had notes that he was looking at, but then at some point during the show, he abandoned his book. He got very, very emotional and worked up. He was very uncomfortable, not knowing whether anyone thought it was funny. Should it be funny? Can he be funny? Is it okay to be funny? All through the decades, comedians have walked the line of racism, of sexism, Comedians are there to make us laugh. They're there to discuss stereotypes. They're there to have us think about things at a layer that we never think about them. But once we do think about them, the way the comedian says it, it's funny because we say, wow, we should have thought of that. We could have thought of that. That makes perfect sense. 
Dave Chappelle walked a fine line that would have made the Walenda brothers and Evil Knievel proud. If you can watch his 27-minute Netflix special, which, by the way, I couldn't find on Netflix. It's on YouTube. So after you subscribe to Nothing Personal with David Sampson on YouTube, then watch Dave Chappelle's 27-minute show. It's heartbreaking. It's interesting. And I'm thankful to Dave for doing it. ML Beer Challenge, it's day 95. We are at 95 days, which you know because yesterday's show is 94. I'm staying local here in South Florida. And today is the 95th day that we have given away $1,000. We'll do it till day 100. We're going to grow the beer till there's baseball. Coco was all excited to shave after yesterday. And now he's back to being despondent, thinking he'll never shave. And then Coca dropped on me, by the way. I'm not going to let this day and this show pass. That if baseball cancels this season, he is shaving. He is not growing his beard until next March or April. That is a violation, Coca. You've got to grow the beard. And he said, you know what? I don't got to do anything. I guess he's right in that way. But my commitment to you has never wavered. I've never trimmed the beard in these 95 days. It is uncomfortable. I never will. And if there is no baseball this year, I assure you that I will be growing this beard until the start of next season or whenever opening day happens. But for these first 100 days, we're doing $1,000 a day and we're going locally to an organization that I was very much supportive of as president of the Marlins and president of the Marlins Foundation. It's called Camilla's House. Camilla's House was founded 50 years ago. It's grown steadily since then. It used to be a small overnight shelter serving Cuban refugees. It's now a full service center that offers a continuum of care for persons who are poor and homeless. Homeless people have been greatly impacted, not just by COVID-19, but they are the subject of unbelievable systemic racism. Most of the people who go to Camilla's house have nowhere else to go. No friends, no family, no loved ones. Many of them are mentally challenged. Look it up. Go to the website. If possible, please give money today to Camilla's house. If not, choose your own organization I don't care the amount of money. It can literally be a dollar a day. It can be a penny a day. You don't realize how good it is to give to charity until you do it. And if I told you the millions of people and the high percentage of people who have never given any money to charity, you'd be shocked. No matter what position you're in, there is one essential truth. Somebody has more than you do and somebody has less than you do. Wouldn't it be great if everybody helped those who had less? I got an update from Down Under, mate. Who remembers the LaMelo Ball story? LaMelo Ball is that basketball player is going to actually likely be a lottery pick in the NFL. I think he plays basketball. He'll be a lottery pick in the NBA draft. We did a segment on the show because LaMelo Ball was going to buy an Australian League basketball team in Wollongong. His agent went public that day saying it's a done deal. Well, I got an update for you, and I want to tell you a story about how this works. 
Brian Colangelo and other investors were announced yesterday as the new owners of the Australian League team in Wollongong. LaMelo Ball is not a part of the ownership group. He is not the general owner, the control owner, a minority owner. He is not an owner at all. Why does that happen? It happens all the time in sports. There's one general rule of thumb when I'm asked advice by people who want to buy a major league team. I said it to A-Rod when I met with him. I said it to Jeter. I've said it to scores of people during the course of my 18 years, people who were trying to buy a team. Tom Glavin was part of a group trying to buy the Marlins. Tag Romney, who's Mitt Romney's son, wanted to buy it. There, there were just a plethora of people. By the way, I've never discussed that, so that could be news. It's not news. It's just a fact. We had a lot of people trying to buy it. My advice was always the same. Keep your mouth shut. Don't go public that you're interested in buying a team. When word leaks out, which it will, that you have interest, say nothing. Don't deny it. Don't confirm it. Don't talk to the media. Because owners who are going to have to vote to approve you are not interested in bringing in owners who are egomaniacal and all about themselves. They want you to become that once you're in the room. They don't want you to be that before you get in the room. Right, Mark Cuban? That's why you've never been in the baseball room. Because of the ego that you'd bring into the room. Did you read any rumors about Brian Colangelo buying the Australian League team? Have you heard David Blitzer or Josh Harris, the owner of the Sixers and Devils, have you heard them one time comment on whether they're interested in the Mets? There's been a lot from A-Rod and J-Lo. They make it very clear what their interest is. If you want to buy into a league and buy into a team, you do it in a stealth way. When your agent, first of all, owners have representatives, lawyers, bankers, it is very rare for an agent of a player to get involved in a negotiation to buy a team. Derek Jeter's agent used to be Casey Close. He was not involved at all with me. Never dealt with him one time when Jeter was buying the Marlins. I dealt with one of Jeter's business associates, a man named Greg, all the time, along with Derek. Player agents don't necessarily understand the different steps needed to actually acquire a team. They know very well everything that's needed to sign their player to a contract with the team. They've got connections and they converse with owners and presidents and GMs. But when you are actually trying to buy a team where you have to be approved by a league and by other owners, they just don't know. And LaMelo Ball's agent got way too ahead of himself and now he's left holding the bag. Brian Colangelo, congratulations. The point of Wu on Gong 
is a moral that can be applied in the U.S. to all people in all industries. Listen more and talk less. Wait to see. So wait to see is something we've missed at the last couple of days because the show got away from us. But today we've got to go back. We do a wait to see almost every day. I used to say every day because it used to be every day, but we haven't done it in three days, so I can't say every day. But we also return to wait to sees and we'll tell you whether we got them right or we got them wrong because we have accountability in this show. And I love that. On March 17th, there was a wait to see here on Nothing Personal that MLB will have a positive COVID test. Well, we waited and we saw and there was, that would be a yes. That was back on March 17th. On May 6th, when everyone was excited that the MLB would be returning. I said, no MLB in June. I said that on May 6th. Well, you're right. It's only June 19th or 18th. I shouldn't have the right to end this wait to see, but I am. And I'm giving myself a yes. On May 12th, over a month ago, when all this negotiating was going on, I said, wait to see, there will be no revenue split in Major League Baseball. Remember the old days of the rumors of the 50-50 split that the owners were going to insist on and the players said no chance. Guess what? No revenue split. That's a yes. The next day, May 13th, when Arizona welcomed back pro sports and they said, by June 15th, we will have pro sports back in Arizona. I said, really? Not a chance. Guess what? No pro sports in Arizona by 615. That was a yes. May 26th, I said all pro cities will allow teams to come back to practice with social distancing by June 15th. Practice will be allowed. Yes, that happened. There are people who could come back and practice and be in their facilities. On May 27th, I said Scott Boris will poach another client other than Blake Snell. And he has. It has been reported. I'm going to take a maybe because I don't have the name. But Boris will poach another client. I think he did. That was May 27th. My wait to see today, I had one earlier in the show, and I swear to you I forgot it. But it's real, and we'll put it in the document. My current wait to see is that the MLB season will be more than 60 games. The NFL will have a longer protocol than NBA, more than 113 pages. The MLB season, while the owners only want 60, they will have to give more than 60 games, even if it's 61. Wait to see. The players know it. The owners know it. They're looking at each other right through their masks, and they're saying, that's right. This is business. It's nothing personal. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.